0: JasonCharles.net Deep Deep Talk, talk, Deep deep Sounds sounds.
1: This is Body Tonic Radio with Jennifer DeLuca on JasonCharles.net I'm
0: Jennifer DeLuca Host of Body Tonic Radio on jasoncharles.net. And today I have the pleasure of being with Swati Argade. She is the founder of the ethical fashion brand and shop Boomkey, which opened its doors in Park Slope, Brooklyn in 2012. She is the principal fashion faculty member at the School of the New York Times. Boomkey's mission is to create and curate fine products for the good of the planet and its people. I am so happy to be with her here today. Hi, Swati.
1: Hi, Jen.
0: (laughs) So I am such a believer in your mission and a lover of your clothing. And I often wonder where your inspiration came from to take this path in ethical fashion.
1: I can only go back to the beginning where I met the makers of these beautiful fabrics. I was working on a documentary after finishing a film degree at Berkeley many years ago, and I was doing a project on hands and toil, and I met these weavers in South India who started telling me, the stories of how difficult it was for them to keep their traditions alive. There weren't markets for their hand loom and their fabrics, and their families were moving to the cities to go find other work because they couldn't sustain themselves. So I thought, well, I should make something out of these gorgeous fabrics, these cottons. And I came back to New York with clothes on my back, and people started stopping me on the street, and I said, wow, this is a business, and not only can I survive and take care of myself and have a livelihood, but also support the livelihoods of others. So I always say that it just really started with the fabric and wanting to make sure that it stayed alive.
0: That's so interesting. I love that there's like a a sensuality to what you're saying too. Like there was a, a feeling not only in your soul, but something tactile that connected you to that experience. And I also wonder too, like you mentioned India, and I'm wondering how much your ancestry kind of plays into your inspiration. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, my mom had this beautiful collection of saris. If you ever speak to other women of my age, they might say that they discover the geography of India through their mom's collection of saris. Mm-hmm. So I would, before I even had been to India or been to these places, I knew that a Kanjivaram silk was from South India or a Dhaka silk was from Dhaka, Bangladesh. But I knew what the motifs were and what the fabrics were about, like what kind of stories they told, what kind of geography they had, what kind of heritage they had. And that is really how I found my love of fabric through my mom's trunk
0: filled with beautiful silks and cotton saris. I love that so much. So, you know, thinking about growing up and our upbringings and how it affects like our behavior and how we develop I've been thinking a lot about how today's parents and kids seem to be the first generation in America anyway, that that are understanding that eco-consciousness is important in regards to the basic needs of food, clothing, and shelter, and water. My parents never spoke to me about organic produce. You know, but like we have organic produce in our fridges now, I bet, and most people do, and they they understand Mm -hmm. that. And then even when it comes to shelter, it's not uncommon to hear things like reclaimed wood, or we use sustainable materials. We think about energy efficiency, and obviously we talk about water conservation and clean drinking water. Why the lag with clothing? We get we get dressed every day. We put on clothes every day. I just feel like we're a little behind when it comes to thinking about our clothes in an eco-conscious way.
1: It's interesting that you talk about basic needs because since the 1980s or the since we've seen the the movement of manufacturing moving to Asia and to other developing nations where we've really lost our manufacturing base here in the united states those jobs that we had within the textile sector like places in the south where some of the like in greensboro actually where i'm from was considered one of the global textile centers for cotton so what's happened in that shift of manufacturing is that we've become so used to cheap clothing Um, food shelter water oil energy all All of the prices of these things have all gone up since the late 80s and the 90s. The only one in terms of basic needs that has gone down in price is clothing. So as we've seen this very gradual shift of other basic needs going up, we've seen this drastic shift in clothing going down in price. So it's become hard to understand that a $10 t-shirt is, um, why would I spend, people say to themselves, like, why would I spend like $20 or $30 on a t-shirt? But the fact of the matter is is that there is no possible way that a person who made that T-shirt has been compensated fairly. There is absolutely no possibility. And I think it's a wonderful thing that the next generation, our children, are going through this consciousness saying, hey, like we actually might not have a planet to live on or our children or our grandchildren might not have a a planet to live on. Fashion is the second most destructive environmental force on this planet, second only to petroleum. So those dyes that we have in our clothing, they are destroying agricultural land. Be by the leaching of those toxins into our water supply. The manufacturing where that happens, the carbon emissions that are taking place, there's so much carbon going into the atmosphere the erosion that happens to soil where conventional cotton is grown. There are so many terrible effects that come out of of fashion. So it's really up to us as consumers to start making those decisions that are not only going to save the environment, but they're also going to save the
0: communities that are living around the places where clothing is manufactured. Yeah, I mean, I personally would love if stores had to post publicly you know, the, the timeline of making the item and where it started and where it finishes and the environmental impact, because I think people would shop very differently. And I love that you mentioned the cost of a t-shirt because everybody owns a t-shirt, right? right? And I've had this conversation with many people about the cost of a t-shirt where, mm-hmm. you know, personally, if I've already embraced, I'd rather spend $28 or $30 on one t-shirt mm-hmm. than have the three at 10 I I, that's easy for me and I would love it if you could talk a little bit about the cost of the t-shirt and the wage and how it adds up to $30 so people could better understand like obviously you have a storefront too that you're dealing with Mm -hmm. you know you have a person in your shop that has to make a wage you there are people who produce the cotton but in your own words, could you give us a little rundown of like the cost of a t-shirt?
1: Sure. So there, when you buy a t-shirt, there's several things that happen and there are many people that are involved in the supply chain. There is the cost of the raw material. So it's going to be less expensive if if it's conventional cotton versus organic cotton. So organic cotton is going to be more expensive. But right now let's just talk about a conventional t-shirt. An organic cotton t-shirt would probably cost you like $40, maybe $50, right? So if we're talking about a Conventional cotton t shirt, we have to think about the fabric. We have to think about the person, how they were paid, who actually cut the fabric. We have to talk about the person that actually assembled the pieces of the t-shirt together at the sewing machine, the factory overhead, which would have been the cost to keep the lights on for um, for the rent, the cost of the shipping, the cost that um, the agent, the person that was the middleman between the fashion manufacturer and the factory, so if it was like a brand um, let's say like Gap Corporation, if like they were making the t-shirt, they probably hired an agent who then was the middleman for the factory. So they take, took a commission. On top of that, there was the packing and shipping charges as well as the duties. Now, the thing about that, like there are so many aspects that go into that, that when I've done the math before, we've seen actually it's, I think it's about less than 1% of that would actually go to the person that cut and sewed that fabric and put that t-shirt together. The person that's actually making, and then the profit margin on that is probably going to about, be about like 50% to 60%. So Really, the cost of that was $4, and then the company that is selling it is has made $6 off of that T-shirt. Now, when you're buying it from a reputed brand or like a brand who is really committed to environmental and social responsibility, they're going to make sure that the person that made that T-shirt is probably getting paid at least like 3 to $4 for that T-shirt, and it's probably... Going to cost um, someone like me, let's say if I was selling it for thirty dollars, it would probably cost me about twelve to thirteen dollars. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so the person that had made it might have been paid like two to three dollars, and this would be in a developing country. So those are some of the aspects that go into it. And I love what you said about buying like just fewer things, but buying better quality things. That if we can actually think much less about the cost of something and more about the human cost and then think about the cost per wear because the higher the quality of something the more wears we're going to get with that t-shirt so the cost per wear is actually what i think in the end is is paramount in these decisions that we make as consumers
0: i agree so i i even just want to say how many times have we bought something and we wore it once and we washed it and we couldn't wear it again and then we threw it away and maybe we paid 12 dollars for that item or whatever but if we had paid 30 yeah. um we could have used it for 4 4 or 5 years or something or even longer really? yeah. yeah so i have fully embraced it i've lived that i also saw the movie the true cost yeah. which um, yeah. i highly recommend that to Great our listeners movie. By the way, I just want to take a second here to say you are listening to Body Tonic Radio on jasoncharles.net. And I am here today with Swati Argre. She is the owner of Boomkey, an ethical fashion brand. So I want to say uh, I'm a Boomkey believer. And each time I am in your <laughs> store, Yay! you know, we're talking about like very practical things, but each time I'm in your store, I see an exquisite piece. I don't mean precious so much as I mean a combination of things, a combination of comfort, interesting design, and utility. I feel good in it. I look good in it. And it's the kind of item that when people look at me wearing it, they say, ooh, who's that girl? Or where where did you get that? That happens all the time. And I'm just curious, how do you do that? How do you choose what goes into your shop?
1: You know, Jen, I think that like so much of what the two of us have in common is that what we, it's so heart centered for us. Like we want to make people feel good. Like when they are, when I come out of a Pilates session, like I (laughs) feel amazing. And when I have everything that I make and what I buy for the store, everything that I design, I, I think about the person wearing it and i want them to feel amazing i want them to feel good i want them to feel confident i want them to feel good about how it was made so i think that when you're starting with something from the heart and you want to make something beautiful it can flow naturally and and i'm always thinking about lots of different people and like who what are the different body types like how are we making fashion and as inclusive as possible? How are we trying to do it for as many different, like you are very petite and, but you also have a hard time finding things because you're really petite. Mm -hmm. And then I have more plus, some plus size customers. And um, I always want to figure out like how I can get them feeling good coming out of the store so I think that idea of thinking about fashion as something for a certain body type or that fashion is only available to a few is is so wrong that we have to make it available
0: for everyone and I think that's where we really try to start when we're making clothing Mm -hmm. well you're, you're doing a great job with the people of Brooklyn I can tell you that so I want to also ask you about your trips to meet the artisans. You talked about the inspiration of moving from your film career into your fashion career. Very short-lived, um, All <laughs> film career. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just want you to talk a little bit more about that feeling. What is it like for you to be with the people who make your clothing, yeah. who make the clothing that, the fabrics that you use?
1: It's one of the greatest joys, like, because I think that most people will never, ever meet the people that make their clothing.
0: I've met many
1: designers who have not been to their factories overseas, that they're able just to send their designs to factories overseas, but to actually develop a relationship with the people that make the clothing is is a beautiful thing and also asking them questions as to like how can we make your lives better what can we do for you how can we make your lives more special what can we do to serve you and i think that as we grow as we make more clothing and we continue to grow as a brand we can make sure that we do that as we grow our business like how can we actually give back to the people that are making our products
0: i love that and I think. Don't we want to sit across the table from that person and be wearing an item of clothing and think like, I'm happy that you're well. Yeah, I'm happy that you're well. I'm enjoying your clothing and I want you to feel excited that I'm wearing that textile that you made and I don't want you to feel like I took advantage of you to be wearing this article of clothing. So it's a beautiful thing. Every
1: single person in the supply chain, everyone that has picked the cotton to the person that's woven the cotton to the persons that's sewn the cotton together cut the cotton like every single person on the entire chain of production is just as important
0: as I am so everybody has to be feeling good along that. that journey so as an expert on ethical fashion Can you give us some tips on what to look for when we're buying clothes, like either when we're looking at a catalog or if we're in a store, we can look at the label on the inside. What kind of fabrics should we be looking for and what fabrics should we be avoiding?
1: One of the things that I do as a buyer and as a designer is thinking about fabric. I always like to say that I started out in this really as a textile designer because when I the way that I started in this business was because of a love of textile and I saw textiles that were endangered and I then started designing fabric to find colors and things that would be suitable for an American, you know, market and this in this case it was in New York City. But what I realized is that the production of fabric is so detrimental to the environment. So I always try to stay away from rayons, for example, you know, unless they're recycled. So rayons and viscose are actually two of the worst fabrics for the planet. And people think, oh, well I know that it, but it comes from cellulose, but the process of having to remove and break down the cellulose from uh, like a eucalyptus tree, for example, is so incredibly toxic that the solvents that are required to do that Generally, just leach away and get dumped into a water source or sometimes into our own drinking water supply. So, I think that if you want to have that experience of rayon or viscose, you can buy Lyocell um, or Tencel or Cupro, which is what we use a lot of at, at Boomkey. And what all of these fabrics have in common, definitely our Cupro, not all Cupro, but all of these fabrics have in common, is that they are closed loop systems. So, closed loop would mean that. All of the byproducts that come out of the production cycle go right back into the production cycle. So the great thing about ten-cell and LyoCell is that 99% of the solvents that are used to break down those cellulose fibers go right back into the production cycle. With regard to cotton, we all talk about, oh, well, cotton feels so great. It's so breathable, it's so wonderful, and it absolutely is. And whenever possible, try to buy organic cotton because the most destructive cash crop on the planet is conventional cotton. Hmm. Conventional cotton takes four times more resources, it actually takes quarter of the time that organic cotton takes to grow. So what that means is that when you are moving so quickly and trying to get cotton to come out of the land, you are using tons of pesticides, you're using fertilizers, you're using insecticides, and then you're actually destroying the land. So nothing can actually be grown on that land. Also, we've seen in conventional cotton farms, the people that live around those areas generally suffer from high levels of birth defects. They have very high mortality rates, there's high incidence of cancer. So when you are buying conventional cotton, it really isn't good for the planet and its Mm. people. So those are some things to think about in terms of fabrication.
0: So I want to leave the listeners a little tidbit about what you think about the future of fashion. So what excites you about the fashion industry's future? And if you could dream up a fashion future, what would it look like?
1: Oh, everyone would be buying less, which is really funny as a businesswoman. I was saying <laughs> buy less, but it's true. I want, I want, I want us to buy less. I mean, our landfills aren't filled with used clothing or clothing that's never even been worn. Our largest uh, export of waste in the United States is actually clothing. So that we would be buying things that we really want, that... If the supply chain changes and that fast fashion is not empowered because everyone is buying into it, that means that everyone is going to rise to the occasion and make sure that they are buying organic cotton or they're using recycled fabric, they're keeping fabric outside of landfills. And people are just like making better decisions about, you know, about what they decide to wear, that they're supporting companies who share their same missions, which I hope are about uh, doing
0: environmental and social good. Well, I really appreciate the work that you do and I find you to be an inspiration. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today.
1: It's been an honor to be here. Thanks so much for including me.
0: You are listening to Body Tonic Radio. I'm your host, Jennifer DeLuca, on jasoncharles.net. This is Body Tonic Radio with
1: Jennifer DeLuca.
0: Jason Charles.net Jason Charles.net.
1: Deep, deep talk talk deep sound sounds. Deep
0: sounds.